just do what we just heard the song about. I just did youth philosophy this morning. We talked about teenage rebellion. And I said, one of the signs of teenage rebellion is they can't thank God for anything. Uh, they, they think they deserve it all. Well, I got to tell you what, God's done a lot for us. So here's what I want you to do. You have 45 seconds to find somebody. You tell them one thing that you're thankful for and let them tell you one thing you're thankful for in the last two months since you've been here. All right, go. You have 45 seconds. Okay. All right. Have a seat. Everyone's thankful. I can't help but thank the Lord for all he's done. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. I want to talk to you today about the third person of the Trinity. I want to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit. I believe you need to get to know the Holy Spirit in college. I think this is the time where the Holy Spirit and you become very close and very intimate. I don't think you can make it through college without the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to give you your grace that you're going to need. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you in your relationships. The Holy Spirit's going to help provide for you. And you need to understand Him. Now, one thing about the Holy Spirit, His ministry on earth is to exalt Jesus Christ. I don't think we should go to seed about talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. I really don't. A matter of fact, I've said this in my classes, and I've preached this over the years. The church that emphasizes the Holy Spirit above Christ and God the Father is a church that doesn't have the Holy Spirit power. Because the Holy Spirit will be wherever Christ is lifted up. That's his ministry. So we don't want to spend a lot of time and messages over and over again about the Holy Spirit. We want to lift up Christ and we want to talk about the Father. But I will tell you, it's important that we begin to understand what he is doing in our lives. I begin with Galatians chapter 4 and I want you to look at verse number 6 with me really quick. And then I want to tell you a couple stories and then we'll have a word of prayer. Notice Galatians 4, 6. I don't know if you ever picked up on this before. Both passages that mention our God as our Abba Father, both passages have to do with the Holy Spirit. In Romans uh, uh, chapter 8, it says that the Spirit of God bears witness that we are the children of God and that we are adopted in the Abba Father. The other one is here, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, everybody together, last two words, crying what? Remember one day, a long time ago, uh, it was probably 2004, um, at the end of the day, I got a call from my son, Ben. And uh, he said, Dad, I discovered my new father today. And I said, what are you talking about? 
He said, I know who my Abba Father is today. He said, Dad, I tried to get a hold of you all day today. I left messages at the church office and I couldn't get a hold of you. He said, this morning when I went to class, he was living in the dorms. This morning when I went to class, I was called into the dean's office and I was accused of being somewhere in the city and doing something that I wasn't at and I didn't do. They said they had witnesses. They said that they had all these things and they interrogated me. Dad, I didn't do it and I wasn't there. By the end of the day, somebody came forth and said that they lied and that it, Ben wasn't there and Ben didn't do that. But he said, Dad, throughout the day, I said, I gotta talk to my father. My father's gotta fix this. Dad's got to fix this. He's the pastor of the campus church here. He needs to fix this. I didn't do this, and this is wrong what's happening, and I think they're picking on me, and da-da-da-da-da, and he was really, and he said, I got, my dad's got to take care of this. Well, by late afternoon, they couldn't find Pastor Shetler. And Ben found a classroom, and he got on his knees, and he said, you know what? I can't find my earthly father. So Father, God, you gotta be my dad. And you gotta be my Abba Father. I've always known you through my father. But today, you gotta be my Abba Father. And that day, Ben says, I met my Abba Father. And you know what? Many of you have a great home. Many of you have a mom and dad that you love, you respect, and you appreciate, and you're thankful for. And coming to college, it's been their God. But I will tell you, at college, he's got to become your God. And college student, at some point, he's not your parents or your pastor's Abba Father. He's got to be your Abba Father. And who does that? Well, according to that verse, it's the Holy Spirit that does that. It's the Holy Spirit that makes that happen. Now, I never really had a father. I never was bitter at my dad. I did come from a broken home and an abusive home. I got to lead my dad to the Lord. But I knew very quickly after I went to Bible college, <laughs> there really isn't a dad in the picture. And I had to rely on my Abba Father. And I will tell you that um, the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals that Abba Father to you. It's the Holy Spirit that shows you who he is in your life. And I want to talk to you about that Holy Spirit because you've got to get the, you got to get the Abba Father while you're at college. If you're going to make it through this place, you've got to know him as your Abba Father. I want you to take your Bibles now and turn to, and we're going to go to a lot of passages. I want you to take it and turn to Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel chapter 37. Now trust me, I am highly aware that this is a very prophetic passage of the nation of Israel. I am highly aware of that, trust me. But this is the valley of the dry bones and God brings Ezekiel to the valley of dry bones and he says to Ezekiel, basically, Ezekiel, what do you see? And I, he says, I see a, a valley of skeletons. I see a valley of dry bones. God says, look at verse 2, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, 
there were very many in an open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Man, they were dead bones, man. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, I answered, Oh, Lord God, thou knowest. You know what? If they're going to live, they're going to be because of you. You're going to bring them to life. Again, he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God. Can you imagine preaching to a bunch of dry bones? I mean, all these skeletons just laying out in the desert, and he's preaching. I don't know. I've been in some Christian schools that were pretty dry, I'm telling you. Again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I preached, man, I preached. I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, now I want everyone to get this, help me out. And as I started to preach and as I started to prophesy, There was a, everyone together, what's the next word? Okay, now listen to me. You can get noise in dead bones. There was noise. There is noise on this campus. Doesn't mean it's spirit. There's noise. There can be a lot of noise. You can do a lot of singing. You can do a lot of soul. You can do a lot of noise. It is amazing to me what we can do without the Spirit of God. It is. There is, I mean, you can go door to door without the Spirit of God. But I'll tell you what, Dr. Burt, the the longer I live, I have really discovered what an absolute waste to spend a whole week at camp with a group of teenagers and all you get is noise from the pulpit and the teens If God ain't showing up, I don't want to be there anymore. And young people, you're young. I don't know if I would have said that when I was in my 20s. I just, yeah, give me the noise. I kind of like the noise thing. But you know what? I'm telling you, the longer I live, noise without the Spirit is just noise. But notice this. There was a noise. And behold, a everyone together. And behold, a what? Shaking. Man, things started moving. Man, we're organized. We got collegians and we got this. We got this program. And man, the dorms is going together. We're shaking, man. We got noise and we got shaking. And the bones came together. We got unity, man. We got school spirit. Man, we got it. Bone to his bone. Everyone's finding their position. They're all getting their jobs. Man, we're coming together, man. We got some noise. We got some shaking. We're coming together. We got bone to his bone. And when I beheld lo. The sinews in the flesh came up upon. I mean, we're talking, man, there is, there's, man, we got it together. We have, we're, we, hey, we're accredited now. Hey, we got this, we got that, we got collegiates, we got, oh man, we got stuff going. We got a volleyball team, we got a basketball team, we got all this, we got, we're doing the soul, we got choirs coming out of, we got groups traveling, we got, man, we got the skin, we got the flesh, we got the bones. But everyone together at the end of that verse 8, look at that. 
But there was no what? Everyone together. Breath in them. Most of the independent fundamental Baptist movement in America has got noise, shaking, boned flesh, and they don't have breath. And I'll tell you what we need at this campus more than anything else. We need the breath of God. We need the spirit of God. We can reproduce everything, guys. We can do it. We can, I'll tell you right now, I can teach. I can teach without the breath of God. I just don't want to anymore. Man, you can do everything without the breath of God. But you got to get to a point where you say, no, if I don't have the breath of God, if I don't have the spirit of God, I don't want it. Look at verse nine. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds. Man, I'm telling you what, man, we're gonna have preachers and their wives and families coming from every corner of this world. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So man, I preached like I ain't never preached. So I prophesied unto these dry bones that were dead. They had a noise and they had a shaking and they were all connected. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came in into them and they lived and stood up upon their feet in exceeding great, everyone together, what's the next word? Would to God that a week from today there would be a spirit-filled army of believers, of Christian workers, and of college students that have all experienced a breath of God, that God has worked in our midst. Man, I gotta tell you, John Williams, Larry Chapel, pastor, oh, they're all working like crazy. And they need to, we gotta do all this man stuff. But I'll tell you what we need. You wanna know the greatest spiritual leadership conference ever? Let the breath of God fall down on this place. And let the breath of God fall on you, young person. And I believe before they get here on Sunday, God could do a work in your life. God could do something in your life in the next few days that is personal, that is between you and him, and that you see him as an Abba Father like you never have before, and there's a work that's done. Now there's two verses. Now we go back to the, to, to the New Testament. There's two verses. I want you to turn to John chapter 14. There's two verses in the Bible that you're very familiar with and they are very important in understanding the, the Holy Spirit. I want you to be in John 14. We'll be there in just a moment. But one is Ephesians chapter four and verse 30. You know it. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And then the other ones in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, many of you know it. Quench not the Spirit. Okay, so there's two very important imperative commands about the Holy Spirit that we've got to get a hold of. Number one, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, quench not the Spirit. If we can live our lives, all we have to do is stop grieving him and stop quenching him. Now, what does grieve him mean? 
by what we do to him. He is grieved by what we do to him. Otherwise, here's a great word. Another word for grieve, hurt. We hurt the Holy Spirit. We hurt him by what we think, because he knows what we think. We hurt him by what we do. We hurt him by what we say. We say things, think things, and do things that hurt the Holy Spirit. Grieve not. We will never receive the Spirit of God in our life if we continue to hurt him. Think about that. How many of you are in a committed relationship right now? Would you raise your hand? You're in a committed relationship. Hey, you know as well as I, I don't care if you get the ring on your finger. If he would continue to hurt you, if she would continue to hurt you, it's like, you know what? I'm kind of done with this, man. I don't want to see him anymore. I don't want to be around her. Every time we get together, man, she hurts me. He hurts me. You know what? We can do a day like that. We can do a week like that. We may even go through a month because we know that they're going through something. But I got to tell you, we're looking at this different. I am not staying in this committed relationship if all he's going to do is hurt me. Man, I just, I, I, I just, man, I got to tell you, she's got to stop it. She, I can't do anything right. She just, she just hurts me. Well, let me tell you something. How often do you hurt and grieve the Holy Spirit? What you're thinking? He's watching it. He's looking at it at the same time you are. Man, that hurts him. By the way, notice what his title is. We got God the Father, we got God the Son, and we got God the, everyone together, Holy Spirit. The title that has been chosen by God himself is not the loving spirit. It's not the wise spirit. It's not, hey, come on, we need to have the power spirit. Everyone together, he's called what? The what? The Holy Spirit. And there is a reason. Because that is the characteristic of God that is his perfection. That is what God is in his essence. And everything that is not holy is hurting him. And we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, what does it mean, Brother Shuttler, to quench? Really interesting word. It means to put out a fire with water. Quench means to put out a fire with water. So here it is. Grieve. He's grieved by what we do to him. He's quenched by what we refuse to let him do through us. We grieve him by what we do to him. We quench him by refusing to allow him to do through us what he desires to do. We keep pouring water on the fire. Man, I got to tell you, we had a bonfire with the, with the missions uh, band, or the missions prayer band the other day. I like bonfires. I just like fires. Well, man, in the middle of a fire, and we're putting pallets on there, I don't want someone to say, hey, I got a bucket of water. Get the bucket out of here. Got to burn. I want to tell you something. It is now time to see. And by the way, fire is a great symbol of the Holy Spirit. By the very first time he, he shows up in Acts, it's a fire. And you know what? You got a fire going on inside of you right now for the things of God? That's the Holy Spirit. Don't quench that. 
God may put a fire in your heart about your roommate and that they need encouragement. God may put a fire in your heart about whatever area the, the spirit of God's a fire. What's burning in your heart? What should be burning? Or are you pouring water on everything? Grieve him not. Quench him not. So, Brother Sheldon, what is the Holy Spirit trying to do? Very quickly, as quickly as I can. Number one, and by the way, this list could go on and on. I got three things today. Providing guidance. Now, we're in John chapter 14. I want you to look at that. John chapter 14 and verse 26. He's in the upper room with the disciples. He's telling them he's going to leave. They can't understand this. So in the midst of this, he's talking to them about the Holy Spirit who they haven't even received yet. So they are totally disconnected. They cannot figure this out at all. But Jesus says in John 14, 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now look at this, because I think this goes right with it. Peace I leave with you. That's going to be the Holy Spirit. That's going to be the comforter. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm leaving you, but I'm leaving you the comforter. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. Look over, turn to the next chapter, John chapter 15, look at verse 26. But when the, John 15, 26, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. See, here's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He will testify of me. But this is what I wanted you to see. Go to the next chapter, John 16. And I want you to see verse 13 and 14. I think many of you are making decisions not based on Holy Spirit guidance. I think many of you are doing things in your life and you're not being guided and yet the Holy Spirit is there to guide you. He's there to provide that guidance. Look at John 16, 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He's gonna help you, that's what he's there for. The Holy Spirit is given to provide guidance. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. I like 14. He shall glorify me. And that's what it's all about. Is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is to magnify, glorify, and conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So what's the Holy Spirit doing here? He's providing guidance. How does he provide guidance, Brother Shetler? Good question. Because I think all of us go like, okay, so how do you know if it's the Holy Spirit or it's your flesh? How do you know it's not me providing the guidance or the Holy Spirit? That is a great question. I think three ways. I think the Holy Spirit gives confidence. I think the Holy Spirit brings conviction. And I think the Holy Spirit brings comfort. He brings peace that you can know that this is the Holy Spirit guiding you. First of all, it's confidence. And I got to tell you the verse that I'm going to use. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. You don't have to turn to it, but it's a great verse. And you will hear the voice from behind you saying, this is the way walking in it. 
There have been times in my life that I go, God, i got to have guidance. Holy Spirit, you have to guide me. And through different things, most of the time it's Scripture, but through different things, God, you hear a voice from behind you saying, Jim, this is the way walking in it. There's a confidence, God. And when God speaks to you, it's different than the way you feel. It's different. There's this confidence. This is the way walking in it. Jim, take your step. I'm scared. I know you are, but there is confidence that this is the right step to take. And I'm going to try. So number one, there's confidence. Number two, there's conviction. Now in my introduction to biblical counseling, I give this, but I just got to give it today. I know the majority of you will hear this again or have heard this in other classes, but you need to be reminded of this. I give an illustration that has helped thousands, and I want to help you with this. Brother Shetler, there is a lot of false guilt today. There is. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. And for some of you, you are being beaten up by Satan. And how do you know if this is Holy Spirit conviction guiding me or it's Satan guiding me. Well, I think there's two ways. I think you can know that it's the Holy Spirit conviction because when he convicts, it's always specific. He goes very specific on what you've done. Satan just makes you feel guilty. Man, I just tell you, my whole Christian life, I just feel is legalistic and guilt. I just live with guilt all the time, Brother Shetler. That is not of God. Because when God convicts, he's always specific. Number two, God is, Holy Spirit is always current. He doesn't bring up a past that's taken care of. Sometimes every time you start living for God or you, you start to find guidance, your past comes up. And we all got trash in our past. And, 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 and we go like, oh man, yeah, that's right. I guess I can't know God. I did this. I, I blew it last summer. I did this. I had this happen in my life. And I'm a, and it comes back up. Let me tell you, once it's under the blood and it's been taken care of, it ever comes up. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He's always current with his conviction. So the illustration I give is that we're at a basketball game. And there's two teams. There's a blue team and a white team. And the game starts. And about uh, two minutes into the game, the referee blows the whistle. And so the game's going on. The referee blows the whistle. Foul! Foul! And everybody stops. Foul! Foul! Okay, who's it on? And the referee says, <laughs> you're not getting that out of me. What? I'm, I'm going to tell you who fouled. Yeah, you're the ref. Who fouled? No, no, no. I'm not telling you who fouled. Ref, what team was it? Was it the blue team or the white team? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Ref, you just called a foul because there was. What's it? Who's it on? What team? What player? Oh, I'm not going to tell you. Well, you know as well as I. That'd be crazy. You got to tell You got to be specific. You can't just be blowing the whistle. Foul, foul. Well, who did it? What team? It's always specific. Number two, it's always current. It's always current. So we're in the same ball game. Second half, got a minute to go. Close game. One minute to go, referee blows the whistle. Number 12 on the blue, reaching in, foul. What are you talking about? Ref, ref, I wasn't even near anyone. Come on, number 12. You know you fouled. 
What are you talking about? I wasn't even near one. Hey, number 12, the blue. Technical two. You know what you did in the first half. What? Yeah, first half, you nailed that guy. Ref, it's second half. We got a minute to go. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. When he convicts you, you will know that it's the Holy Spirit because everyone together, it will always be what? It'll be specific. And number two, it'll always be... Yeah, he's not going to bring up the past that's already done. Now, you do need to know this. The past is the present until you get it taken care of. So if there are things in your past that you have not put under the blood, ask for forgiveness and maybe go to someone and make that right, then you know what, guys? That's still the Holy Spirit trying to guide you, and he's doing it by conviction, and you got to get that right. But you hear this. I don't know what your past is. But whatever you have done in your past, if you have confessed that and you have asked for forgiveness, let me tell you, and it's clean. You cleaned it up with others. You cleaned it up with God. If it ever comes up, mark that down. That is not the Holy Spirit. That is the accuser of the brethren. God does not want us to live under this cloud of guilt. But I will tell you, God does guide us. By conviction. He guides us by confidence. This is the way. Walk in it. God, I know you called me here. I know that was a Holy Spirit thing. And I know you called me here. Get that settled, man. He guides in confidence. He guides by conviction. And number three, he guides by comfort. Everyone, now take your Bibles and turn to Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3. Oh, I like this. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start reading it. I think most of you know the verse. I'm going to read it. Colossians 3 and verse 15. And let the peace of God rule. That's referee. And let the peace of God, that's the Holy Spirit in you guys. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body and be thankful. There is a peace, there is a comfort that he gives, that guides you and go like, you know what? This is scary. I don't know how this is gonna happen. I don't know how this is working out. But God, I have a peace. I have a comfort. Now, the peace of God is pretty hard to explain, is it not? Matter of fact, it's a peace that passeth what? All understanding, okay? So it's like, now we're gonna explain the peace of God. Well, it passes all understanding. But I know I've experienced it. And there is a comfort when you know, God, there is such a peace about this. Now, I'm going to tell you something. All of us are guilty of this. So I ain't going to just point my finger at you. We have tried to contrive the peace of God sometimes in our life. No, I have peace about this. I know this is what God wants me to do this summer. I just have peace about that. Whoa, I think there's something wrong with that. Because when there is peace that God is guiding you. There is a comfort inside God. I know I have no clue how this is going to happen, God. I know, but there is a peace. I know this is right. Now, again, it passes all understanding, so any illustration is going to fall short. But when I was a college student, this is before buffets. Back in the 70s, they didn't have those buffets. And I'm going to tell you, when I went to Christian college, that food there when I went, was not good. And we were, I felt I was starving. I have never eaten so little in my life. 
And the guys in college, the upperclassmen, they told me about a place called Hopkins House. It was a boarding house. And every night, it was open to the public that they could come for the meal. And they said, Saturday night's the night, man. And so we went one time, I went with all these upperclassmen, and we went to Hopkins House. And it was this old Southern, you know, those Bella Homes, those Bella, I don't know, what are those called? Those Southern, Southern Plant, it's just in the middle of the city, huge um, um, uh, a deck around the front, you know, porch, huge porch, rocking chairs everywhere. And you come up, a lot of Navy guys lived at the Hopkins house. And then you'd get your meals. And the meal was all you could eat, $3. And I remember that. Man, I will tell you, that night they had fried chicken, they had ham, and they had uh, livers and onion, liver and onion. Now, I got to tell you, I love liver and onion. I'm sorry. And a heavy beef gravy. So, and I love southern fried chicken, and you can't beat ham anytime, okay? So I had three meats. I ate more meat that night than I had in the last two months at college. I mean, man, I, and they had the corn, they had the fried okra, they had the homemade biscuits with the jam and the jelly, they brought out banana pudding, they brought, it was, I just never ate so much since I was, a, I just ate and I ate. Well, when we got there, when we arrived at the Hopkins house, we come up the stairs up to the Hopkins house and there's these rocking chairs everywhere. And as I was walking up, I saw all these rocking chairs and the guys that are with me go, Hey, Jim, those are the ah chairs. I said, the what? The ah chairs. The what chairs? The ah chairs. <laughs> Why are they called the ah chairs? They all looked at me and they said, you'll find out. <laughs> so I ate more food than I have ever eaten in my entire life at college. And when we came out of the Hopkins house, we went over on the porch and I looked at one of those rocking chairs and I said, you know what? I gotta sit down. Ah. Ah. And they all looked at me. What's the name of the chair, Jim? Oh, I got it. <laughs> it's an ah chair. I got it. I will tell you, that is the closest thing that I can come to to the peace of God. <laughs> When you get the peace of God, there is this, oh, I know this is what you want, God. I know, now listen, the peace of God passes all understanding, so no illustration is going to do it, but I am telling you, there is a comfort, there is a confidence, and God guides through conviction. You can know where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do, the relationships you're supposed to be in by his guidance, the Holy Spirit guides. Number two, he produces fruit. Quickly turn to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. Not only does he provide guidance, but he produces fruit. I think there's only one thing you guys need to get with this. You guys gotta get this. And that is when we read the fruits of the Spirit, they are not for you to do. This is not alone. Come on now. Let's get going with joy. Come on. Get that joy going right now. Let's go get that joy going. Hey, come on now. Gentleness right now. We're preaching on gentleness today because you guys need to start being. It doesn't work that way, guys. You will become so frustrated in your Christian life if you try to produce these fruits. These are fruits of who? Everyone together. They're fruits of who? The Spirit. They are not 
possible to be produced by you. I'll tell you now, flesh tries it, but flesh cannot do it. Look at verse 17. For the flesh lusteth worth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. They are constant battle. And no matter how much the flesh wants to try to imitate the spirit, they are at warfare, man, and it doesn't work. But look at verse 22. And then you got all of those, the, the, the fruits of the flesh. But look at verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is, let's all say them together. But the fruit of the spirit is what? Everyone together, number one? Number two? Number three? Number four? Number five? Number six? Number seven? Number nine? I lost. Brother Sheldon doesn't know how to count. Okay, where, where, where am I? Well, we got to say them all together here. Faith, meekness, and what's the last one? Control. Against such, come on, there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of the law. If we live in the Spirit, come on, let us walk also in the Spirit. Okay, so I got a little cup, a little glass with me. I got a little glass with me. And what does it say on the glass? Uh, Coca-Cola. I got a little, what kind of glass I got? A little what? Coca-Cola glass. Okay. And I got a bottle of? Water. Got a bottle of water. And I'm going to pour the water in what? In the cup of the glass of Coke, the little Coke glass. Got water. Okay. Okay, now, I'm going to shake this. And as I start shaking it, everyone together, what is starting to come out? Everyone together, Coke. What's coming out of the glass? It's a, no, 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 no. What, what kind of glass is it? Coca-Cola. I'm shaking the glass. I'm shaking the Coca-Cola glass. Everyone together, what's coming out? Why is water coming out of it? Because that's what's in it. Who can drink this glass of water? It's good water. Matt, nail it, all of it. I need you to nail all of it. <laughs> and if you have to get up and leave, it's okay. <laughs> Come on, bud, because I'm not going to pass the glass to somebody else, okay? Okay, now, water came out of it because water's in it. Now, we're going to put Coke where it belongs, inside the Coke glass. Trust me, Matt, you're the only one that's going to drink this. Now, if I start shaking this, I'm going to be in trouble. So <laughs> if I start shaking this, what's going to come out? Every student in this student body, what's going to come out? Coke. Why is Coke going to come out of it? Brother Shetler, am I spirit-filled? Yeah, I can tell you. What's coming out in your room? What, what's coming out in your classes? What's coming out in your heart? What's coming out of your life? Because I'll tell you what. Whatever's coming out of your life is what's inside, gang. If you are filled to yourself, you are struggling at this place. And if you're filled with the Spirit of God, the fruit is coming out. So what do I got to do? You got to empty yourself. 
You got to empty yourself of yourself and allow God to take over. You got to, if you're going to produce fruit, emptiness plus sensitivity equals control. You empty yourself and you allow God to produce the fruit. You cannot do it, gang. We're, we're trying in our Christian life so hard to produce spiritual fruit. You can't do it. It is God who produces the fruit. And he produces the fruit as soon as you get empty. He will take over. He will fill you. He will control. Last thing and we're done. What is the Holy Spirit doing? He's providing guidance. He's producing fruit. And number three, he's, he's perfecting Christ-likeness. In my study for this message, I came across a verse like I'm going like, I don't know, I never saw that before. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And I'm going to read this verse and uh, just give you one illustration. And we're on our way to see those dead bones rise. Okay, so here we go. 2 Corinthians 3. You know what? I got to start reading at verse 15. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Please go there. You're going to really like this. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, come on, everyone together, there is liberty. Now, I've, man, I've heard that verse a lot. I've heard that verse, and that is so true. You want freedom and liberty. We want, we want to seek God. Man, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is in control, there will be freedom. There will be, there will be liberty. You know, and if I were to say this statement, do you guys know that there's more freedom at the campus of West Coast than at USC. You'd go, <laughs> you are crazy, man. There is no way that there's more freedom. There's more freedom to do what's right here. There is. Guys, I tell you, wherever the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. There's freedom. But that's not what I wanted you to see. You gotta look at this next verse. But we all, I know this verse. I know exactly what this verse is gonna say, but there's something I never noticed. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. Metamorphous, there's the Greek word, metamorphous. We are changed inwardly into the same image from glory to glory. And I usually stop right there. That there's a work going on inside of me, conforming me to, the, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Jim, read the rest of the verse. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. He perfects the saints. It is the Holy Spirit that works in you to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. You, as the Spirit of God, begins to transform you at college. You surrender. You're sensitive. You empty yourself. Christ begins to be formed in your life. Okay, so you are looking at a very white guy. I have a very ruddy complexion. And you know when Shetler's been out in the sun. So I pastored for 25 years. And if my wife will tell you, my routine was you don't do anything on Saturday. You make visits, and then Saturday afternoon, you are alone with God, studying, getting ready for your message. I just don't do things on Saturday afternoon in the ministry. If you look at my entire ministry, and you look at 52 weeks of, of 45, 25 years of pastoring, you would say, boy, Jim, I mean, he does not do stuff on Saturday afternoon, but every once in a while. I mean, once in a while, like, I mean, I'm talking maybe once a year, I'll do something. I'll go play golf. Someone will call up and they say, hey, 
pastor, we go golfing with us, we'll pay for the golf. And that's the, that's the bite that gets me. When people say, oh, okay, well, what can I not do, you know? Hey, Marilee will say, hey, Jim, we have not been to the beach all summer. Let's take the, it's Saturday afternoon. I know, Jim, but let's, we go to the beach. Okay, now let me tell you something. Whenever I went golfing, whenever I went to the beach on Saturday, which I very rarely, I mean very rarely did, everybody talked about it the next day. I got up to preach, and I go out to the foyer, and I know it's coming, and it comes. From deacons to old ladies to college students, doesn't matter. They're coming by, and they're saying, hey, pastor, that's a good message. Did you go golfing yesterday? Yeah, I went golfing. How do you know? It's all over your face. Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, pastor, did you go to the beach? Yeah, I went to the beach with my family yesterday. Boy. You ought to try some of that sunskin, you know, or that skin, I don't know, that screen. That, you ought to try some suntan lotion. Yeah, I know, I know. You could always know when Shetler went outside. You know why? I'd get sunburned. And you can always know when you've been with Christ because there is S-O-N burn in your life. We ought to walk around next week with sunburn. There ought to be the, the image of Jesus Christ in our life. Hey, man, where have you been recently? You've been with the Lord, haven't you? It's all over your face. Man, what happened to you this weekend? I mean, you're like a different roommate. Where, what's been going on? You're looking more like Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit will produce the image of Jesus Christ in your life. Would to God that we have preachers come here next week that see a student body that all has sunburn because you've been with Christ. And when you've been with the Lord, and by the way, that passage is Moses. You know, with Moses, when he came down to the mountain, they go like, whoa, Moses has been with God. Put a veil over him. Would to God that we'd have to put a veil over our radiance and the image of Christ in our life. Guys, I want to tell you something. We've heard a lot of good messages this year already. Just one thing after another. But I will tell you, there is something that may be missing in your life. And folks, we can have a lot of noise and a lot of shaking. We can come together and be unified. We can do some great singing. But I'll tell you what we need. We need the breath of God in our lives. We need the breath of God and the spirit of God working in our lives. Ask God, God, if you're going to do something next week, I need to empty. God, if we're going to do something next week in my life, God, you need to become my Abba Father.